If you remember anything next week, let me know. I said, hold up. Yeah, I said, I witnessed my mom shooting my dad in the head. Oh, my God. She said, when? I said, when I was eight. She said, oh, my God. I'm 40 years old now. She says, you go to the counseling, who'd you tell? I said, you're the first person I ever told in my entire life. So at 12, what, what, what were kind of some things that brought you to drinking? Like, can you bring, bring us back to that first little little drink you remember? Yeah, man. Me and my brother stole my uncle's uh, tall can of Budweiser, man. Oh, shit. And yeah, 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 <laughs> man. And, and, and I remember being laid out, laid out, man, on the Ooh. floor, man, just drunk and dizzy, man. And I don't know. I must have liked it, man. You know, I must have. And, and from then, it never, it never stopped. Yeah. Man, it never stopped. I was smoking cigarettes by 14 and and it just it just never stopped man we would drink in the morning time before my no my brothers we're like a year apart so at one time we got four of us in high school right so yeah and we're like the popular family man we're yeah. really the popular family in town right in this yeah. little small town and everybody when my mom and dad go to work at 6 30 in the morning and we have to be Ooh, in school at eight and let's go. We got hey, time. We got, we got the alcohol <laughs> outside. They got the weed, yeah. you know. All the friends meet there. We just live right down the street from school, so we could walk there in ten minutes, you know. So how, how was the weed out there though? Dirt weed. Oh, okay, the yeah. Just, I gotta get season, that clear. Man. I gotta get that clear. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're not the weed was bad, all man. All right, all right. Yeah, and it, I, I figured that out real <laughs> quick too. Yeah, I got a story about that weed, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. let's hear. Well, what's up? Well, we're you know, weed man, guys over here. You know, I, I used to smoke weed through high school, man. I, I kind of quit when I went to the Navy, right? You know, we had to quit because we would do drug tests. And one time I was in California, man. We did a little quick trip out to California, man. And I smoked some weed, man. Some California weed, right? Got off the boat. We went out to this club. And I get back to the ship, man. And Couple of my friends like, man, I seen you out last night, man, at the club, man. I'm like, man, you didn't see me. He said, yeah, man, I seen you at the club, man. I said, I didn't see you. He said, I know you were asleep. Oh. He said you were sitting at the table with three three females at the table and you were asleep. Mm-hmm. And that was that weed, man. That was that California weed, that sticky weed. Mm. And I smoked I smoked weed one time since then in my life. And that one time I thought I was gonna die. Yeah. And I smoked some weed that somebody laced. Ended up in the hospital, you know. So, yeah, yeah. So, weed was never my thing. Alcohol was it, man. Yeah. And then that led to the another crazy way how I thought crack would, was better. So, okay. yeah. So I was drunk. Always would get drunk and sick, and but I always wanted to drink more, right? So, and I didn't like the sick feeling, right? So, you know, down the road I tried to crack, right? Did you try coke first and then and then crack? Was that the process? Yeah, I, I did coke like in the navy like one time. I ain't like coke neither, right? Mm. So I ain't like coke either. And when I got kicked out of the navy, I moved to uh, first. I stayed in Tacoma about eight months on a friend's sofa. And then I ended up going to Louisiana. I'm gonna say to Missouri for like eight months to stay with my uncle, right? And um, did that for about eight months, man, and that wasn't going good, so I went back to my parents' house in Mississippi. That's when I had my two daughters. You know, I stayed there three years and worked at the company where my mom and dad worked and had two daughters by two different women, you know. Um, yeah, and then I was drinking 
Got five DUIs in Mississippi within those three years. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, five and, and you know, threatening to lose my job. And after the fifth one, they said it was a felony. So now I'm looking at going to prison, with, which I didn't know nothing about. At this time, you, you figure when I went back home, I'm not, I don't think I'm 21 yet. When I went back and I got out of service, I'm still not 21. Right. So you got out of the service. Hold up. So you went from here, Bremerton, and you got kicked out and then went home. Mm-hmm. And then you got five DUIs in that time frame? Yeah, three years from, from 89 to 91. Ooh, really? 89 and 91. Then I moved back out here, you know, I think about early 92, maybe February, summer 92, I think. I, I moved back here with my brother. My brother was living here. Stayed with him and <clears throat> until I got kicked out of there. You know, his wife, you know, me drunk, talking crazy all the time. Mm. You know, just 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 was a drunk man. I I just drank until there was no more to drink. That man. sounds like that's kind of the heart of the crack era too, was yeah, that that's a lot of crack yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, I was smoking in Tacoma before I went back home, right? Because So you when was your first when did you first try crack? In mm. Tacoma when oh, I got okay. when I got out of the Navy. Yeah. When I got out of the Navy, man, we were staying with my friend in Tacoma. Yeah. Right? And we would smoke, smoke, man, but it wasn't no tweaking and stuff like that, man. We would buy a 20, man. It was fun. It, it was like. fun. Yeah. I'm serious. We would buy a 20 piece of rock, sit down and play spade. It'd be four people. We're playing cards, man. Nobody tweaking, nobody moving, yeah. nobody nothing. It was just like hit the pipe and pass it, man. What's up? Mm-hmm. And then they put, they start putting stuff in it, I think, man. And man, it just changed the game, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, first of all, I just want to say, like, how happy I'm ha- I am that you're here, too. You're a huge part of why I'm even sitting here with Pete and you, and the reason I'm sober is, is a lot. I, I attest that to you. Um, I'll just tell a quick story. It was about five years ago. Uh, I was working at U.S. Bank at the time, and you were one of the clients at the bank. And this is before I got sober. I was I hadn't really heard about sobriety at all. I heard a little bit about Al-Anon because I had a family member that was in Al-Anon, and then I had a, another coworker at another job that told me a little bit about sobriety because he saw that I was struggling. Um, but you saw something in me that we started striking up a conversation when you would come into <coughs> U.S. Bank. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you were also – you wore like a gold necklace similar to one you have on today, and it had a sobriety coin on it that said you had 10 years sober. And I was super curious, and I was asking you all these questions, and we would talk about sobriety, and you invited me to one of the sobriety halls. And, and that's where I – my journey began um and now it's just kind of all comes full circle um and it was like a god shot for me that you you had come in and also the main thing is like you made sobriety look cool for me you know you were like driving a convertible you were sharply dressed you know you talk cool like it was just like i was like man i, I want to be like this guy like it, you had something i wanted mm-hmm. and um so i just want to say thank you for that um for for coming on and and for coming on this podcast today it, it really means a lot to me um, and I hope you have you back, you know, because uh, it's just like this is for us, like trying to build community here and have like reoccurring guests. And I think it's just a, a great thing that you're here. Um, going back to like when I first met you, you had 10 years sobriety. So that was what do you have like about 14, 15? About 15 and a half now, 15, mm-hmm. four months. OK, I, actually 15 years, four months uh, yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to say thank you guys, man, for doing this because I'm pretty sure it's going to help a lot of people, man. And and for me, just like you said, I had 10 years on my on my coin there, but 
Let me tell you how I get to them ten years, man. It was like living out here, living out here, man. And 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 first I was living in Federal Way, and the police ran me all the way to Seattle. Right? No, I landed in Des Moines. And by this time, I'm homeless. You know. Uh, so you got kicked out of your brother's house. Oh, that was. This here is years oh, okay. after I got kicked okay. out of my brother's house, like in. 2000 and um, two, no, 1994. I was only there for like a year and some. Then I ended up getting my own apartment, right? Me and a friend that I was in the Navy with, right? And things was cool, man. I wasn't really, I wasn't really doing a lot of crack, man, because I was working, right? Mm -hmm. I was working, but, but we was drinking pretty good. All my Navy friends that's from the South that I was in the Navy with, we all stayed out here, so we're all like family because none of us have family out here, right? Mm -hmm. Most of our family is 3,000 miles away, so we became like family. So we drinking, we playing basketball every day, you know, and we um, doing a lot of drinking, man, and going out and hanging out and working. And then I would dip and dab in the crack every now and then when I leave my friends. They don't know about this now. All right. They know that I, I drink a lot, you know. So, yeah, but after a while, man, I get – Lose my apartment, man, and I'm homeless. And but that took a like, I successfully, I think, did this for like 15 years. I thought mm -hmm. I was, you know, where nobody knew I could keep a job, you know. And right. then it just seemed like it got to where I could go to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday I would do crack on the weekend. Then it four days a week. Then it's Go to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Don't make it back till Tuesday. And then I kept losing jobs, so I worked for temp service, so I could never keep a job, you know, until it just got really, really, really bad, man. You know, in 2004, I was in a bad car accident. You know, um, left my friend's house drinking, going to get some dope. It's late, called a dope man, told me to meet him, to hurry up because I got to go, right? So I'm raising down Pacific Highway about 60 miles an hour, you know, and the motorhome turns out in front of me and uh, T-boned him, you know, and all I remember is I smelled a lot of gas, right? And I'm like, this car is going to blow up, you know, and I got to get out of this car, right? And the door is jammed. I can't open the door, man, so I just lean real hard on the door and fall out of the car, right, on the ground, right? And I I'm like, I'm crying. I'm like, listen, I see this lady legs, right? This white lady, man. I see her legs, man. And, and I was like, please don't let me die. You know, I'm like, he ran the light. He ran the light. I'm like, please don't let me die. She was like, yeah, we know. We saw it, baby. We saw it all. They coming to get you. You're going to be all right, you know? She said, we know he ran the light, you know? So I stay in. I end up, I wake up about five days later, man, in the Tacoma, um, Tacoma Trauma Center. I've been out unconscious for five days. Wow. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Cut my liver, broke my bones in my sternum, broke both my hands. And um, I stay in the hospital 12 days, man. And I get out of the hospital on that 12th day. My friend picks me up, man. And and I told him that I say, man, I need to go to the wrecking yard and get something out of my car, right? He said, okay, he gives me a ride up there, man. And I tell the guy, man, I'm like, man, uh, I need to get some out of that gray cougar you got in there, man. You know, um, 
He said, well, you got to come back because we haven't processed it yet. It's still in the, it's still in the owner's name. I said, I am the owner. He said, no, sir, you're not the owner. Um, I said, sir, I own that car. He said, I towed that car in that night. I'm pretty sure that guy's dead. Mm. Yeah. He, I had to show him my ID, and he was amazed. He said, he cannot believe I'm walking in here 12 days later. He thought I was dead. That engine was in the front seat. Wow. The car totaled out. <clears throat> you know, and uh, but the reason I was there, because I remember I left some gin in there. Yeah, you you left some in there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going back to get my gin. Right. I mean, with with can't hardly breathe, bones broken, hands broken, you know, wow. liver cut. I wanted my gin. Both hands wrapped up where I had to. Cause I went to get some crack too. I went back home, so I had to peel back the wrapping so I can strike the lighter. And every time I hit the pipe, I can't. It's just unbearable pain. But that didn't stop me, right? Right, right. That didn't stop me, man. I got a lawyer. Cause the guy who ran the light, he ran the light, right? So come on, he was you gonna drunk. get paid. You he gonna was get drunk. Paid. Yeah, he was, he was drunk. Well, Even yeah. though I was drunk too, but right. he ran the He's light. He's a real drunk guy. He's a right. real one. Right, yeah. right. So I got this lawyer, man, and I get, man, I'm, we got a case, man. Mm. I'm rushing this cat, man. I'm like, man, because I'm, I'm getting credit from the dope man because I, I know I'm about to get some money. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? For real. You know? So, yeah. hey, then I'm calling him, asking him for money, or I'm going to get another lawyer. I need to get some money from you, you know? Oh, pressing the lawyer? Pressing the lawyer. Oh, right. shit. Yeah, you know? So after about six months, man, he wanted to wait, man. He was like, well, they offering this much. I say, man, get it, man. Whatever they offer, man, give me my money, man. You know, he said, you can get more. I said, I don't care about more. I don't have no money now. And at this point, are you homeless? Are no, you kinda... I'm living in the studio, but I ain't paid okay. no rent in about okay. six months. Yeah, you know? yeah. They, I, I done had my lawyer send them a letter. I've always right. was kind of ahead of the game, right? Let them know that I was going to get some money, so I was going to pay my back rent, right? So I ain't paid rent in six months, right? Mm -hmm. So I was in a studio apartment in Des Moines, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had all these plans. So I was going to get this money. I was going to start this business. I was going to do this, do that, right? <laughs> and the day the lawyer called, oh, the day the lawyer called, say the check was it's in, ready. the dope man was sitting at my house. Mm. That day, I don't have no car because I had got a car on credit. I'm a dealership guy. And I let, let the dope man use that. And he totaled that out. So now I owe for two cars that I had to pay out of this money that I get. So he takes me to get the check, man, and $65,000 <laughs> check. Wow. $65,000. This was in May of 2004. October 2004, I was homeless and in jail broke. Come on, wow. man. Speak that shit. That's the real. Yeah. Uh, now, now, question is, have you ever totaled a car like that, Rudy? Uh, I I have totaled a car before, but not like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. see, I I had this Caprice, nineteen eighty nine Caprice Classic. You guys reminded me of this story where I was coming off this. Uh, it was the West Seattle Bridge, and this gentleman did a U turn right in front of the Caprice. Now I'm going pretty quick, but this dude did a U turn and says no U turns, and I slant T boned him too. Mm. And 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 what happens is like, 
all these accidents that I've had were never my fault. Right. So right. then I would always get paid. Right. And so these payments would come in like, I'd have this list of all these things I had I was going to do with it. Oh, yeah, we're going to get $30,000 and we're going to spend it, <laughs> yeah. do this, do that. Yeah. Next thing you know, is the, you know, a couple yeah. months later, that money's gone. Gone, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now you're starting over. over you need again, another man. accident. I need yeah. another accident. I need another one, man. Always <laughs> waiting on the next come up, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. But, man, finally, man, I get out of that and I end up going to jail after I spend all the money and I, I go to treatment. This preacher would come okay. into. I was in the Kent jail, right? So this preacher mm. would come in there every Wednesday and do Bible study. I had like 80 days to do in jail. So he would come like every Wednesday. This is as long as I've ever been in jail. I've been arrested over 40 times, but this it was like 80 days was like a long time for me. I'm the five day, 10 day, 12 day guy, let go, a little petty crime. But this here 80 days, man, I'm like, that was a long time, man. And and I and this preacher would come to Bible study and preach, man. And he asked me where was I. He always asked everybody what they're gonna do when they get out, right? Mm. I was like, man, I don't know. I ain't got nowhere to go. I'm homeless, right? Well, hold on, hold on. How, how did you get to the 80 days? Hold on. You had 65. You went broke. Yeah. Now, 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 how'd you get to the 80? Like, where, where'd you go? Oh, you were homeless. I'm and homeless. Now... I'm hitting licks here. Yeah. I'm going to Fred Miles, stealing was... stuff. Oh yeah. I'm stealing food to eat. I'm stealing meat and selling to people for money for dope. Oh shit. Right. So one day this this this, this girl, this is a dope girl, right? She got she had three kids, man. She was like, hey, can you get my kids some clothes? School's about to start. Right? And she told me the sizes of the girls. I'm drunk. Usually I'm not this drunk when I go in the store because I like to be sharp, right? <laughs> so, so <laughs> I to be sharp on my game, yeah, man. Yeah, but this right. day I'm drunk, man. And I ain't got no dope, no money, no nothing. I said, yeah, I can run in the frame out for you. She said, I'll be in the parking lot. I'm gonna give you a half, half ounce of dope. She's gonna give me a half ounce, man. I'm like, that is come up right there. Let's go in there and get these clothes, man. So I go in there, man, and I, I'm loading the cart up, man. I'm like, I ain't looking at nothing. I'm getting three just of these, gone. three, three, everything, yeah. three, and put it in the cart, man. And I'm, I usually just push the cart right out of the door, right? When I go through that door, they come. It was right behind me, man. Chased mm. me through the parking lot, man, and caught me, man. And that's how I get to 80 days, man, you know, so... So happened, man, the, the pastor asked me where I was going to go when I got out. I always told him, I don't know. I ain't found nothing. I had a week to go in jail, man. He came in and went. He said, you figure anything out yet? I said, nope. Oh, he said, I got this place for you. He said, it's the Union Gospel Mission Riverton Place in SeaTac, right? Riverton Place. He said, they got a bed for you. I said, he said, you want to go? I said, yeah. He said, what time do you get out? I said, well, they, when they release me, they release people at midnight. Right? He said, midnight. I said, yeah. And he was like, where you go at midnight? <laughs> I'm like, hey, probably back to get some dope. Right. Some alcohol. And he said, well, ask him, can you stay here until 7 in the morning? I'll come and get you. Oh, wee. Right? Look at that God shot yeah. right there. Yeah. Okay, we're going to hold on to you. Yeah. So they let me stay. He picked me up, took me to Riverton to rehab. It was a year program. Damn. But I'm still slick. <laughs> I'm 10 months in, I'm sober, but I'm still slick as hell, doing all the slick shit, you know? So uh, I get kicked out after 10 months, right? But I met this lady in the church we used to go to, this older lady, man, called Grandma Gwen, man. Everybody just loved her, man. She was just the nicest lady, man, you know, and she would cook for us and bake stuff, and, and she used to invite me to her house. And this one Thanksgiving, she asked me what I was going to be doing for Thanksgiving. You know, I'm not from here. 
I had no family. You know, people in the program was going to their families or their family was coming up there. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? And she said, well, you want to come to my house? I said, yeah. So I go to her house for Thanksgiving. She's a white lady. You know, she was cool. You know, older. I mean, older. She's probably, she got to be like 95 right now, you know. And um, so um, she invited me to her house. When I get kicked out, I didn't have nowhere to go at this time then. She said, well, why don't you apply for these apartments over here where I live at, right? And I was like, man, my credit ain't good, you know. And she said, well, just try. So I tried. It turned me down, you know, so I didn't have nowhere to go. Then she said, well, I'm going to co-sign for you. Mm. She co-signed for me. I get an apartment right across from hers. I said, look at this, man. She ended up buying me two vehicles. Check it out. She bought me two vehicles. I got a job. Got a bunch of jewelry on now. I got be sober. Yeah, sober. Sober. 18 months. I went 18 months sober. I went to church every Wednesday. I mean, Bible study every Wednesday. Church every Sunday for 18 months straight. Never missed. Have you been in a 12-step recovery program yet? Have you dabbled into any anything? Well, well at this point, uh, one Wednesday night on the way from Bible study, right? I usually just take the freeway, get off, and go home, right? This particular night, 18 months sober, I said, let me go back down here where I used to hang out at, mm. see what they doing, see yeah. if they still getting something high. Something new, yeah, they're going to do something new. They're yeah, gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. So I stopped there, man. The sewing club. I see, we always call it the one that got away. Oh. There she go, right? Okay, now I got a bunch of money, and she looks like she, she doing pretty bad. I'm just going to spend $40. Right, mm. I had fifteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, yeah, fifteen hundred dollars in my pocket that night. You know, I'm just gonna spend forty. And this was the day. This was the night that the preacher, because he like, I'm like number two guy in the church. It's a little small church with a bunch of alcoholics go, you know, and drug addicts, you know. And he gave me the keys to the church. He said, I got a job to go to. He's a real estate guy. He said, I'm gonna need you to open the church up Saturday. Having a moral service for. Somebody died in the church, right? Mm. I'm need you to open the doors up and set up for this memorial on Saturday. And Wednesday was the night that I got high. Never showed up to church. Mm. And it was two years later before I could get back, right? Yeah, man. So um, before the night was over, though, with that $1,500, I was, before the sun came up, I was asking for credit. That money was gone. So I ended up back in Seattle, man. You know, after two years of running, I kind of, I was in, I was in SeaTac at the bus stop. It was Thanksgiving Day, snowing outside, snow this high. Man, this guy standing at the bus stop, man. We don't know where to go. We got nowhere to go, man. It's cold. He said, "Man, you want to go to Seattle, right?" He said, "They got this place down there, man, that they feed you on Thanksgiving, right?" Mm. I said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, let's go." He said, "Well, I think they, I think they'll let you spend the night too." Right? I said, for real? Because <laughs> I don't know nothing about no shelter or nothing. I ain't never heard about no shelter or anything like that. I used to sleep at the bus stop, right? Or on the bus. I used to ride the bus that I drive now. See, back and forth. When you talk about that, it just reminds <clears> me. <throat> so, this last time that I got sober, I was having a rough couple months. And I remember calling you. And at that time, I got kicked out of the house I was living in. I remember I had to go to my mom's apartment where, but she, she was having house guests that, that at that time so 
and my dad was a maintenance man in that building. So she said, well, I think there's a, there's a vacant apartment that we could set you up and you can sleep in that vacant apartment. And I remember she gave me an air mattress and I remember it was just me in an air mattress in the four walls in that vacant apartment. And I was just, I just pretty much flushed my whole life down the, down the drain, like kind of the stories that you're talking about here. I remember calling you and I was like telling you my situation. I'm like, man, I'm all bad. I'm, I just got this air mattress. I'm in this vacant apartment. And I remember you telling me, you were like, oh, shit, you got an air mattress? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, you might not be done drinking yet. Yeah. You're not in the park yeah. nowhere. Yeah. You're not, you're not home. And I, I always remember that, man. Yeah. That I could, it could always get worse. Yeah. And I just thank you for reminding me about that because um, that was pretty powerful for me to hear at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a little, a little bit more for us to hit our bottom, man. You know, sometimes air mattress might be too good. You know, you might need to be on on floor like I was, you know. So I, I ended up going down to that Union Gospel Mission, right? Right. And sleeping on the floor, got a mat by this then mm-hmm. with about two hundred more stinking people, right? And we touching each other. One over here. Yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah we touching each other, right? right. And it stinks so bad, right? Right. So I'm. That's where I'm staying at now, right? Right. And. You gotta get up at like seven in the morning. No, or something. five. five you gotta get in out at five. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Hit the road. So I'm I'm there, right? And I'm doing a little odd job going to the Mariners, cleaning up the Mariners Stadium for $80 a day and smoking that up. You know, that's what I would do every day. Go to the Mariners, work, clean up, you know? Uh, and then um, I started going to Alaska. I got hooked up with the Alaska gig, right? Fisherman? Fish, fisherman, oh, boy, right? Oh, shit. I'm how, many, how many black cats were on a fisherman boat, man? <laughs> Not a up. lot of them. I ain't never seen a black guy on a fur. On deadliest catch of my life, man. Hold up, man. <laughs> what? Okay, okay. All right. But I always, I always oh, try to find shit. the come up, man. You know. So uh, I got hooked up with the fishing boat, man. So I'm, I'm going to Alaska, man. I'm getting paid. You're getting paid cash, right? You're getting paid. We work seven days a week, eighteen yeah. hours a day, man. So I was over there for about three and a half months, man. And, now hold, hold on now. Now are you are you in your addiction? Like how yeah, you how addiction. you get how you getting shit in the on the boat? We're not we're not getting nothing on the boat. Oh, yeah. Three and a half months we ain't drinking or smoking nothing. No, three and a half months. You, you sober as a mother. Sober man. Wow. And, and then your ass comes then, home. but then I um, <laughs> but but I you know so I got back home right and got a motel. <laughs> Oh, here we go again. Large. Pocket full of money. Yeah. We rolled it, man. Said the money runs out. No more rent. Money to pay hotel. Back at the, the mission. Mm. Sleeping mm. on the mat. You know, it's a seasonal thing. So you get lined up when you're going to go back out again, right? Back to Alaska. It's a little weight usually in there, but right. you got an unemployment check coming, though, right? Because you didn't work. Mm. So my check would come to the mission and say, it's time for me to go back. I would get my check every Tuesday, smoke it up to time to go back. So my next trip, I had heard about. The land plant. They had a land plant in Alaska. I said, oh, man, that sounds good. I'm trying to go to this company where I can go to Akatan, Alaska. Somewhere. Like they process the fish. On or the land, or just like they do on, right, right. Like they do on yeah, the boat. Yeah, right, I was right. processing on the boat. Right, okay. Yeah, so I'm processing on land. Yeah. But, you know, they got some liquor stores and stuff right. over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you can find some dope over there. <laughs> yeah, Alaska. And yeah, you can find yeah. the jail, too, yeah, right? Your, your so bachelor. I found all that. Yeah. Found all that, man. You know, so um, got sent home a couple times, you know. Well, one time I hurt my finger, bust my finger up and came home. They paid me like 10 grand, the insurance company. 
smoked all that up. Then I ended up going back again and got kicked out drinking and went to jail in Dutch Harbor, Alaska. And uh, I come back here, man, and <clears throat> back to the mission again, right? And like you, you said, you have to leave there at 5 in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm staying there, man. I ain't really doing too much. I'm getting a check every Tuesday, right? And But I asked these guys, man, that used to be in there that when we leave at 5 in the morning, right, these guys ain't never got to leave, right? They get to stay all day. So I asked them, man, I said, man, why you guys don't have to leave, man? He said, oh, we on the cleanup crew, right? We just stay here, clean up the mats, help serve breakfast. When people come back at 7, we could stay here all day in the day room and watch TV, right? So I'm saying, I'm like, hey, man, can you guys get me on the crew with you? He said, yeah, let's see if we get a spot, man. So they get me on, man. I'm helping them clean up now. I ain't got to leave. But Tuesday, the, 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 the unemployment check is coming. And you're leaving. And I'm gone for about three, four days. Mm-hmm. So the guy calls me in, the head guy, the intake guy calls me in. He said, man, they say you're disappearing on them, man. I said, yeah, my, I go to my godmom's house, talking about Grandma Gwen. Now, I made, made up a story about her, good lie. I said, yeah, I go check on my godmom, man. She's elderly, man, and, and I just go stay with her three or four days, man, look after. He said, oh, okay, cool. That's cool. Everything all right, go on, you know. I go back, man, and I do it again. So down the road, three, four weeks, they tell on me again, right? And he calls me back in. He said, yeah, man, they say you're still disappearing on me. I said, yeah, but did you remember I told you i go check on my, my godma? He said, yeah, I know, but I'm going to need you to pee in this cup for me. Oh, <laughs> you weren't ready for that one. I was ready for that one. Yeah. Right. So, so I pee in the cup, sat there, wait on him to process. He come back out. He said, yeah, you got cocaine in your system. I said, man, I don't do no drugs, man. Something must be wrong with your cup, bro. Um, I ain't on no drugs. He said, no, nah, cup don't lie. He said, uh, you, can't, you can't be on the crew no more than help out. Now I got an attitude, right? I say, man, I don't care. Care about no crew, man. Sleep on the mat like everybody else, right? He said, nope. You can't even sleep on the mat. Mm. I say, why not? Everybody else down there drink. They sleep there, get up. Why? He said, no, you, but you said, but you can't, right? He said, you got two choices. You can join the program upstairs or you got to go. Those are my two choices. Right? Out of all these people, that's what they do every day. They come here and stay, get up and go do whatever they want to do and come back at night and go to sleep. Right? <laughs> I said, I thought about it for a minute. I know when I'm going back to Alaska. This is on a Tuesday that I'm talking to him. I'm leaving for Alaska on Monday. I already got my orders. Right? I said, well, I could join the program upstairs, get me about four good nights of sleep. Nice bed instead of a mat. Good food, clean clothes. I'll be rested up for Alaska, right? I said, okay. I joined the program, right? Because I already got a plan. That's like a 12-step program that they're doing? It's a faith-based, it's a faith-based program. Okay. Yeah. 365-day program. Right, one year. Right? One year, yeah. right? Yeah. So I said, I joined the program, right? And he said, okay, we'll get you checked in, man. Guy, intake guy, come get you checked in. And I'm like, uh. I said, oh, I, like I said, it's Tuesday. My check is behind the counter, right? I know that, right? I said, man, I ain't got no cigarettes. I need to get my check, go cash, give me some cigarettes. He said, okay, you can do that. You got one hour. He ain't back in an hour. Keep going, right? Get my check, go get the cigarettes, come back, get checked in, go to sleep. Oh, wait. Yeah, sleep for about a day and a half, finally get up and eat. You know, getting a little clear-headed now, you know, and 
going to these faith-based classes where they're talking about God and stuff like that. So I'm getting clear. It's getting to be Thursday. Now I'm like, man, I'm feeling good, getting my strength back. You know, it's getting to be Friday. Thoughts is coming to my head. I'm like, man. We don't want to go to Alaska. Right, you're gonna have to get you gonna make a decision. Yeah, to make a decision, man. Then, then um, on Sunday, right? We go to they escort us to church. It's about five of us new guys. That's all on a blackout. So we got a thirty day blackout, right? Yeah, you can't call anybody. Can't call. You can't, you can't go anybody. nowhere, right? Right. 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 So yeah. So we get escorted to church, right? On that Sunday morning, right? So we get to church kind of early, and I'm standing outside the church. And I'm, I'm over there smoking a cigarette, and this guy, one of my friends, he walked up to me. He said, "Man, you like you got something on your mind, right?" And I said, "I said, now I was thinking about this job, man." He was like, "Oh man, if God wants you to have a job, He'll give you one." I said, "No, nah, that ain't it, bro." I said, "I'm just I already got a job. I'm just thinking about something, you know." And he said, "Well, just pray about it, right?" That's what they tell you. Just pray about it, right? So, church opened up. We go into church. I go to sleep. Sleep through almost the entire sermon, man. Okay, okay. At yeah. church, you sleep. At church, yeah, man. Right. Dead asleep, man. Yeah. I wake up right at the end of the sermon. And these are the words that's coming out of the preacher's mouth. He's talking about Jonah going out on a fishing boat, disobeying what God told telling him to do. And Jonah ended up getting caught in the bed of a well because he went on this boat instead of doing what God told him to do. Right now, I'm like, man, I'm getting ready to go on a <laughs> boat. Is something gonna happen to me? This is what I'm thinking. So now I'm like, man, I'm 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 really afraid, right? So on the way out of the church, the preacher standing at the door. You know, he always shake the guys in the program hand, and I say, Pastor, man, I'm. I just got a question for you, man. I say, I'm getting. I got this job, man. Uh, I'm thinking, I don't know what I should go or now to stay in the program, right? And he was like. Well, he said, just pray for confirmation, man. God will give you the answer, right? Well, okay. So we get back to the, to the mission, to the program. We go in the cafeteria. It's about four of us that went to church that hadn't ate yet. Everybody that's already ate. But only two of us went in the cafeteria to eat, right? I'm sitting on one side. Other guys sitting on the other side. I still remember the day 15 years ago. I had a bowl of soup and a roll, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm eating. I'm eating my soup, man, and then I get a touch on the shoulder. And I could feel it, man. They said, wherever you think about going, don't go. I heard the voice. I felt the touch. I turned around, and wasn't nobody there. Not a soul. I heard the voice clear as day. There's no doubt that somebody said something to me. I felt it. Somebody touched me. Said, wherever you're thinking about going, don't go. And then I got really scared again. And I'm like, is something going to happen to me if I go? So I told my friend, I said, man, I'm thinking about calling these people and telling them I'm not going. And he said, no, because he, me and him had become friends. You know, he said, he wanted me to stay anyway, right? He didn't want me to go. He said, no, man, don't call them, man. Just don't show up. Because if you call them, they might talk you into it. For sure. Yeah, just, just don't show up. Right. I didn't show up. I stayed in that program. 365 days. Ooh. Graduated that program January 8th. January 17th was the day I stopped drinking in 2007. I haven't had a drink since. I haven't had the 
you know, it's, a, it's, it's one thing when you, when you just stop drinking and drugging, but when God removes all the cravings of that, you know, I, this has been like, it's really, really, really been easy. Not saying it's easy for no one, but I, drinking and drugging has not been my problem for 15 years and four months. I have some other stuff that goes on here, but it ain't drinking, but I'm working on those things too, you know, but, and I've been through a lot of stuff, man, in, in the mix of these 15 years. Not all bad, so I'm good. You know, I lost a wife in this program from cancer. You know, my wife passed away um, almost seven years ago. Um, I didn't drink. I didn't drug. Um, I was the president of the board of directors at 23rd and Cherry Fellowship Hall for six years. Um, my wife passed away when I was president, so I had the keys to the building when she passed away. You know, it was only me and her. So there were nights, man, where I didn't know what to do. I would drive downtown in my car, drive down 2, 3 in the morning, driving around. You know, like, what the hell am I looking for, right? Thank God for 23rd and Cherry Fellowship Hall. I had the key to that building. I could go in there, open that door, sit at that table by myself. For hours. Because I didn't know what else to do. Right? All I wanted, I, all I know, I wanted the pain to go away for missing my wife. Right? And because I know that my, my wife saved my life. I'm pretty sure of that. You know, I met my wife at a wedding. My friend was getting married. She knew him too. I didn't know her. I didn't know she knew him. But we were at the same wedding. I got a pass from Union Gospel Mission because I'm still in the program. I'm six months sober. I just been in the program six months. They let me go to my friend's wedding. So I meet her there, right? And she had 15 years sober. Mm, wow. 15 years. And I'm a six-month rehab guy. What does she want with me? You know, I ended up graduating that program. I moved into her house. We got married and was married for six years, you know, and and she's, what, 13 years older than me? So she was a, she lived AA. She sponsored hundreds of people probably. She, she did a lot of sponsorship for women, you know, so she's responsible for helping a lot of women get sober, right? So I would hear all this stuff every day, her, her on the phone, or the sponsee is at the house, you know, they're going through the steps, I'm hearing all this stuff, and so I feel like I'm forced into it, you know. I can't say I don't know because I hear it, right? And she's, most of our conversations about AA that we have, right? So I started going to the hall, you know, my first two years, rather I, I started doing some um, service work, right? Thursday night book study. I would pour coffee. I did that two years straight every Thursday night. But never miss. For whatever reason I was there at the time, I showed up to pour that coffee. You know, so um I think there's something to be said about that like basic uh that basic uh act of service of like I remember my first time trying to uh I, so when I was in treatment at Lakeside Milam the, they were bringing these meetings and these people would come in and they, they had a lot of time. They're laughing and shit. And I remember just being like, man, like, God, I got 15 days, man. Like, this is not funny. 
this isn't cool. And then they'd be like, well, you know, you can come come to our meetings and you can uh, be of service, you know, get a home yeah. group, get be of service. And I, I remember being like, well, I think the best job for me is that secretary right there. <laughs> like that boss, that, yeah. that fits my yeah. fancy like yeah. real well. Yeah. And I remember going to this white center meeting and uh, and I remember uh, my, my sponsor at the time, Seth, he was like, he was like, uh, yeah, so you 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 gonna go get that that coffee coffee maker uh, position? I said, <laughs> "Come on, man! Like for <laughs> real, dog! Like I don't want to be the coffee. That's like the low of the low. That's right. the lowest thing going." Right, right. And I, I was just remembering my ego was really, but there was something about. So I go into the the meeting, the business meeting. I remember it was like a setup too. Anybody, you know, we have a coffee position open, and I'm sitting there like, "Fuck, man! Will somebody else please like?" Just raise your hand so then I could be like, well, that that guy took it, man. And like, I don't have, I, 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 he took it before I, I could have it, right? And then so then they say, oh yeah, hey, what, yeah, oh, I'll take the coffee. And and I remember um, ser- serving my first cup or my first pot. They were like, yo, this is how you do it, and this, and, and these old timers, man, they're like thirty plus years, and they, yeah. they come around and they're shaking the cup, and they're like, man. Who made the coffee? And I, I, I'll never forget just being so proud and being like, it was me. <laughs> and, 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 and but watch this shit. They, they said, and the, and the little man to this day, I'll never forget this dude. Like, he's a little old, quiet guy. He got this big puffy coat, looking lopsided, and he and he looks in his cup and he's like, well, see, let me tell you something, son. You see how you can see the bottom of this cup? Yeah, that's not a a coffee, man. You got you got to make it a little stronger. And they, they all were kind of like in agreement. Not everybody was like, so then you're clowning on my coffee? I was really upset. Like, I, I took it personal. Like, so then the next meeting, they, they see, they had instructed me two scoops. And uh, the next meeting, man, I put like six. And I had this this meeting zooted. And everybody was geeked up in that coffee. And I just, <laughs> and, and from that point on, it was Pete's coffee. And so, but that 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 moment of like, surrender of like I'm about to pour some coffee fuck I, what I got going in on apparently isn't what I think I should be doing and and so or what I should be doing and so I I surrendered to that basic coffee making position and it changed my whole recovery yeah, yeah so you, yeah. you were saying you just made it every week every week yeah you every make week it. man yeah. every every week I would show up man and pour that coffee man and, and I think that you know as an addict when we're because, you know, some addicts, um, like myself, I was used to having stuff, right? You know, I'm, I was just used to I wasn't broke. First 15 years, I, I successfully smoked some crack and right. went to work every day. I had a car. Come on, you man. You know, so now to go all the way back to, like, when I got sober and I didn't have no job, this guy had a little company. He would go pay me $40 a day to pick up all this heavy shit, you know. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I just got out of rehab, so I need some money. Right. You know, but but our mind, man, we we move quick, so we don't we'll 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 skip a step. You know, we don't we didn't we didn't get all the way down here overnight, right? Mm. So we can't skip no steps, right? We got to start with a little bit, right? And we got to stay mindful of that because even at three years sober, you know, I got a little job, right? I got a little, little, little better job, right? Now I got a little money. And the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm about to get me a sack of this dope because I don't smoke no more. 
and I'm about to get paid, all right? But God somehow, and it's God and knowing who I was living with, knowing my my wife here. Is, you mean you were going to sell some dope? I'm going to yeah, sell right. some get dope. Some money, actual I'm money. I'm going to get paid, right? Right, right, right. 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 Yeah. But somehow God always some kind of way moved that thought. I never did it. Then three years later, I got six or seven years sober. It comes back again. Man, I can I see everybody driving nice car. I, I don't have all the nice cars yet, yeah. you know, right. so I'm trying to get there, you know, but I don't do it, right? I, I, I wait it out, and I get a better job, right? You know, like I said, I got eight DUIs because I got three in the state of Washington too, right? <laughs> so... And getting back to the 10 years, like when you saw me, right, um, that's that's only God, man, and for me to have 10 years sober, right? And I always just wanted, I always pray that I can find somebody throughout the course of my day to help. That's, us- that's usually my prayer every every morning and every night, you know. So um, to get to 10 years, man, and it seemed like what I thought was like, like it wasn't hard. You know, I'm still doing some stuff, slick shit in my head, slick shit here and there, but I ain't drinking, right? And I I asked my friend, he has, he has about 40 years sober now, man, because during my time around the hall, being a president, I, I seen a lot of people come, a lot of people go, mm. people with time relapse. I see that. And I asked him, man, I'm like, man, because you get close to some of these people, right? Right. And I'm like, man, why do people keep relapsing? What's right. the problem? What's up? Right. Yeah, what's that all about? Right. right? Yeah. And he told me, he say, man, relapse is a part of recovery, right? And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, people relapse in recovery. He said, what you're doing and what I'm doing is a miracle from God. This don't happen to everybody. Everybody don't stop and stay stopped that long. They just don't do it. He said, that's a very small percentage of people who do that. That's why you keep doing this program over and over and over. You know, you keep doing this program. You stay. You start here. Hey, you come back. Hopefully and pray for you make it back. And you do it again one day at a time. But the relapse are going to happen. So I'm so I'm so thankful. You know, when I hear that, I'm like, man, this is a miracle that I that I can do this. And I, I drank a lot, man. I've been in multiple car accidents. I flipped multiple cars. That that last one wasn't the that wasn't the first one. Man, I I flipped over three times and walked away. The car landed on the side in the field, and I walked away. They never went to the doctor. I got thrown out the car, and I never went to the doctor. Never had to go to the hospital. I've been shot at, point-blank range, bullet, gun unloaded. And I'm in a car. I got a convertible. Guy pulls up to me, man, pulls his gun. Cause he mad about something, about me. Say I've been messing with his woman or something. And he unloads that. I see him go underneath this coat like that. Cause I don't know the guy. I never seen him before. I right. don't know. I don't know what her her boyfriend or husband look like. Right. So I just I I wait on him to walk up to the car, right? And like he hey, go, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. And he goes under his shirt, and I see the gun. I throw the car in reverse, man. Mm. And I just bag out into this busy street. Cause I'm at my mom's house. And 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 in our driveway, right? And I bag out into this busy street with my hair down and feet on the accelerator. And he pop, 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 pop out, unloaded it, broke my arm on windows out, and not a damn bullet hit me. Man, that's that's 
I'm, 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 man. I can't, I can't make it up, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I hear you t- talk about these miraculous stories, like, and I just, I'm sitting in this seat, you know, back to, I was working at the bank, and you came in, mm-hmm. and I mean, if anything were to happen to you, I mean, <coughs> I might not be sitting here, so it's just like a right. miraculous that's, chain of events. Right. That's a big part, yeah. of, I think, this recovery journey is that there are people that have done, th- have been through a lot, that then affect others, that if they weren't there for that moment to affect others, who knows what we would be doing. Right. So when you pass it along and you pass it to him and then he passes it to me and then and now we're passing it on, it's this idea of helping others that keeps this this going. Right. And it keeps people staying. Right. Because that's, that's the scary part for me too is when cats like, for me, when I have experienced, because when I went to rehab, I haven't had a drink or a drug since, right? So then the point though is that when people relapse, I get this moment of like, what the what what happened? Yeah, and I want to pay real close attention because I I want to make sure that I don't do that. I don't do that. And and but like you said, it's a part of recovery. And it and if they got you know if they make it back, that's the miracle. It's like they can make it back. And then like Rudy, that's part of your story, you know. And and how, when when that when that coming back into a room after your relapse, like what 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 does that feel like, man? Man, very hum- humbling experience, you know, to because I had 21 months. I ended up relapsing, coming back into the rooms, raising my hand, saying I got two days today. Uh, but it was such a, a beautiful experience, too, because people like yourselves, both you gentlemen, walked me through that relapse, and, and you didn't turn your back on me, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that because I, I got welcomed back with open arms. Like, they say we don't shoot our wounded. You know, I came back with a couple arrows in my ass mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and got got very. It was a humbling. I, I had to go through it though. That's the right. Way, for my personal story, it was a humbling experience that I had to go through to just get beat up some more and put in that arm lock and say, you know, are you done yet? You know, I had to I had to submit. Right. You know, and uh, and and I had to go through it to to get to it. And I'm just. Uh, it, it was like a, a horrible, beautiful experience. Right. Well, I remember I used to tell you, you know, you know, because you used to talk to me and you say stuff, you know, and I'd be like. Well, maybe maybe you need to go try some more then. You know what I'm saying? If you if you believe that, go 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 have another drink, right? Yeah. You know, because don't sound like you're done yet, right? And right. I be hoping that get across when I say stuff like that. Right. You know, and I, I want to ask you guys, man, have have you guys? Do you think you f- you figured out the root of, of of why you drink and drug? Have you have you uncovered that? Go ahead, Rudy. What what you think? Well, luckily working with a sponsor. He's he's got me to understand like at the root of my drinking is is selfishness and self-centered. I'm always thinking about me and 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 my instant gratification, um, and that if I can get out of, outside of myself and start thinking about others. I mean, before 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 you got to that point, mm. what made you get to be self? What made you get there? Do you know? Mm, that's a deep question. That's a deep question. I I probably have to sit with that one. So for me, I know exactly where that came from. For me, um, when I was when I was growing up, like that that was my role model. My role model was selfish and self centeredness. My my dad was a very clear, like me my me. I mean, to this day, it's like there's potatoes on the on the table, and um, he goes first, and he takes three quarters of it. And I get a quarter of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and it's very clear that mm-hmm. like he is the prior, he is the most important person, right? 
And and so then what I didn't understand though was that I was learning that. And yeah. so then I I got that and then I and then I carried that. Now I'm running right. around with it. And right. now and and then it is I don't want to be like my dad. I'm not like my dad. And then my wife would be like, well, you like, you kind of yeah, are. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You kind of yeah. are. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, hell. And then I'd go get high some more and, and be like, no, I'm not. Fuck that. Right. You know, if our copper was yeah. like, hell no. Yeah. No way. No way. And then come to realize, like, man, once the sobriety hits, oh, shit. Like, because see, my thing was once I stopped using and getting loaded, Every man, it was supposed to be unicorns and rainbows. Right, right. right like you right. were supposed to be. Uh, see, I didn't have. I had twenty eight days in that shit, and I was like, oh. And then they were like, Ooh. they were like, here, you're you're free to go, and and you can go do whatever. You can either go to a meeting tonight, or you cannot. <laughs> you can either go. You gonna do whatever you want to do. It does, we're done with you. It's a wrap. Yeah. So if you choose to pick up the tools that we've tried to get you to understand how to use them, and how, but but at the at the core of it was like me. Yeah. Like me, I'm at the center of this whole thing. Like my little, my little play, my little movie. I needed to run. If you would just do what I need you to do, yeah. everything's gonna be all right. right. And so that that was that was my experience. It was learning uh, about that and where I had picked it up right. from. Right. And then also giving, like, like letting go of that resentment towards my dad. Man, he could only do the best he could with what he right. had. You know, and the right. same with my mom. And and it's just. It's just a very beautiful thing with that the recovery process takes us through is that yeah. it it doesn't shame us or guilt us or oh you're so such a bad person it kind of it, it light it brings light to the situation it brings light to uh, some of the things that you may have been taught uh, right and so yeah yeah the reason reason I reason I asked that question because I think I think you know because through my own experience that we get like this because of something right. And we don't always know. We don't always know what it is. Uh, sometimes we have to see some people, some mental health people, you know, and try to figure some of this shit out. Because um, I didn't know why I drink and drug so much. I, I didn't know, man. I came from a good family. You know, we had food, clothes. We got the shit beat out of us a lot. But, you know, we got, we, we, were, we were bad kids, too. So, <laughs> you know, but that wasn't the reason, you know. And then we get to be 25, 30 years old, and now you're saying um, it has to be me because I'm talking about myself now because then nothing happened to me. You know, I'm just, this is just what I chose. So then when I get to rehab here, treatment, I started seeing a mental health specialist, right? Mm. And <clears throat> we was going to do a session for six months, one week at a time, every week for an hour, right? I would go and see this lady at Sound Mental Health, and she would sit down, we would have our session, and she would ask me, first she wanted to know, because she said, did anything happen to you as a kid or, mm. or when you was coming up? I'm like, nah, nothing happened to me. I was in a good family. She said, nothing? I said, no, nothing. She said, okay. So at the end of every session, she said, well, if you remember anything before next week, you know, jot it down, and then we'll go over it, right? So we go week after week, every week. Remember anything this week? I said, nope. Go, remember anything this week? Nope. There's nothing happened to me, you know? I wasn't raped. Nothing happened to me, you know? 
So we do that. I got to, I was just frustrated every time she asked me that. I'm like, quit asking me that. You know, there's nothing happened to me, right? So for four months down the road, right? We finished up a session, right? And she was like, she's getting ready to go out. We're going out of the door. She got all these files in her hand, all right, from her clients, right? And she's going out of the door. And this day, she, I'm like, she's not going to ask me today, right? Mm. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah. Did, 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 did you remember anything this week? I said, no, nothing happened to me. And she said, oh, okay. If you remember anything next week, let me know. I said, hold up. I said, yeah, I said, I witnessed my mom shooting my dad in the head. Oh, my God. She said, when? I said, when I was eight. She said, oh, my God. She said, eight. Now, I'm 40 years old now, right? She said, eight. I said, yeah, I was eight. She said, so who you tell her? Did you go to the counseling? Who'd you tell? I said, you're the first person I ever told in my entire life. Hmm. She said, did you go to counseling? Nope. You're the first time. This is the first time it ever come out of my mouth. 32 years later, she said, oh, my God. She said, did you cry? I said, no. She said, where'd y'all go? Because all our kids, all the kids was there. She said, we, I said, we went to school. She said, a school? I said, yeah, we went to school. And what about after school? I said, we came home. She said, what happened to your dad? I said, he went to the hospital, and they did surgery on him, and he came home. Oh, my God. Wow. What? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody went to jail, no no counseling, no my mom I, my mom never talked about it, my dad, my all my brothers, we never talked to each other about it ever until that day in that office. And she said, "That's it." And I'm like, "What do you mean that's it?" She said, "That's why you do that." I said, "What do you, what do you mean?" She said, she said, "You said you never cried." I said, "Nope." She said, you said you went to school and you start playing with your friends. Yeah, she said, you have never had time to feel anything. Mm. You never had time to cry, feel pain, nothing. You went on like nothing never happened. So now when anything happens that may assemble some pain, you self-medicate right away because you don't know how to handle it. You don't want to. You don't want to feel nothing. You don't know how. You was never allowed to be taught to feel pain. You know, or feel a feel, right? A feel. Right. I mean, just you're right. Just yeah. feel. Right. That's the truth. Right. Just feel. And some some cases today, it it works for me. Yes. Because people tell me I'm like the calmest person. Man, how you can let people scream and and you don't ever never get into arguments. I said, man, I don't hear that. You know. I said, and I'll be trying to tell other people, man, quit arguing with everybody. Just because they're talking, you don't have to respond. They said, well, I'm not like you. I I, 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 I got to respond. But to me, today, I still can, I cannot react to nothing. I can not feel nothing if I don't want to. I can do it. But now what I'm trying to say is, before I thought something was wrong with me, is why I did that. Now I know there's nothing wrong with me. Because I, I believe what the lady told me that this is why you do it. And I analyze it myself a little bit, and it makes sense to me. You know, so now I, I feel a little normal, right? And I say, oh, nothing wrong with me. I don't, I don't have to drink and drug. I don't have to do that. You know, this is something that happened to me. This is why 
I can recover from this, you know? And all the years I tried to get sober, 20-some years, I tried to stop smoking crack and I couldn't. I couldn't stop drinking 29 years. From the day that she, that day, I I haven't had urges to drink, mm. you know? I, yeah. I just haven't. And I'm not the one who, I'm not the big 12-step guy, you know? But I believe in it. I don't. It, it's I, been removed. It's been removed. Right. It's been removed, man. I mean, totally. Well, see, so one of the things you just brought up was like what one of the things that I, I've talked about in my story is when my mom had a cardiac arrest at five. And so when she had a cardiac arrest at five years old, she forgot who I was. And she, and my dad brings me in and into the hospital, and she had just been come out of the coma. And, and, and I remember that feeling of like, I got this. At five years old, I was like, I'm alone. I'm good. And, and and the way that I would medicate would be through drugs and alcohol later on. Mm-hmm. And and that would be my best friend. Like, that would be my friend. Right. That would be my 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 compadre. I, I'd be getting down with it. When no one else was, I was getting down with because I was by myself. There would be these moments of just getting loaded on my own because of these, these, these moments yeah. in my life. And that was a big one. But I'm sorry to hear that about, like, but yeah. but at the same time, having her pound that in, that question of like souls, and he, you know, it made that 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 moment uh, occur because she could have just left it alone. Yeah, and yeah. you would have never gotten yeah. to that point. That's right. what that's what mom used to say. People yeah. are in certain places at certain times for reasons. Yeah, she was there to get that out of me. Right, right. God placed her there. Right, right. And mm-hmm. I fought it for four months, and I don't know why that particular day, that because that never occurred to me that that's why. I, that never even came to my thoughts for four months. Mm. But this particular day, she asked me, and it did. And I still don't know why, why that particular day I was able to say that. It can't be nothing but God. Because mm. it's, it's nothing I never thought about, you know, for 40 years. You know, 30, 32 years, I never thought about that. Never thought about that. But I know we were there. I know my mom pulled us all out of the house, all five of us, in the, to the driveway, and she shot back in the house. He was sitting on the couch. And we, we all were standing there right beside her when she pulled the trigger. You know, so, yeah. Wow. That's just, I mean, and to hear about all the drinking and drugging and DUIs and, and then to have that thought of drinking and, and using drugs just be removed yeah. from you, I think that's just amazing. I, me and you talk a lot about how, you know, one beer, like, you know, I, I used to think, like, well, what's wrong with just having a beer? Because I used to think, like, maybe cocaine was my problem. Right. And drinking, I could still get away with drinking. <laughs> and that led me down a bad path again. But you, you've always told me that, that it's like, I can't even have one beer. One beer, no. and I'll lose everything. You will. And, and I, I I say you, 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 you know, because we can accumulate stuff. We can get a good job, get a couple cars, you know, a little jury, a little money. And ten years sober, and hey, man, I can I can have a beer, right? Mm. But that's why the program works, man. Hey, that's why if you stay around the program, you'll see. You don't even have to experience it for yourself because you'll see the ten year person who was at the first meeting I went to gave me a ride back to treatment in his Cadillac with his own business. He's dead today because he went, took another drink. He's dead. 
the first guy I met in the program. He had about 10 years sober. He's dead. So I know what one drink will do with all that stuff he had, all that he had. He's dead. So I'm convinced. You have to mm. be convinced. Mm. I've seen mm. enough to be convinced. And I tell my mom, I tell my kids, if I ever take another drink and do some drugs, I chose it. I didn't relapse. I didn't slip. I chose to be homeless, jobless, wifeless, all of that. I made a conscious choice because I'm sober right now and I'm in my right mind. Right. And I'm telling you, I know what it's going to do to me. If I take a drink, I'm selling my cars. I'm, 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 my wife is going to leave me. I'm going to lose my job. I know that. I don't care how much I got. I, I know that. I know me. I've seen it happen to people over and over and over. Yeah, that's that's what I've learned about the way my brain works and, and the insanity. They talk a lot about the insanity around alcoholism and drug addiction. I used to think the insane things were, were the things I did after I was drinking and drugging and while I was drunk and high and all the insane stuff. But really what I'm learning is now that I get deeper into my sobriety is like the most insane thing I do is take that first drink. Right. And I'm sober at that time. Right. So right. what's the problem? Yeah, I remember when when Rudy, so I, I don't know, Stefan, if you were having these conversations, but when Rudy was on the verge of relapse, he was be, he would be like, yeah, man, like, I don't know, man. I think I could drink. Like, it's, it's all right. It's, it's, it's cool if I have another one. Like, I, I think the drinking, I just won't do it. Right. I remember him lining up what he wouldn't yeah. do if he took a drink. If I take a drink, I'm not doing this, 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 and this. And then all of a sudden, his relapse story was like, well, I took a drink, and then all that shit happened. All that, yeah. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if you if you someone out there, man, like, you know, you sober, man, and you thinking it's going to be different, mm. it's not going to be any different. Don't let that, that addict that's in your head tell you that. Mm. You know, I don't care how slick you think you done got, how much money you think you done made. How beautiful your wife is now, that shit's going to be gone. I guarantee you, man, you know, take a drink and see. I'm sitting with my daughters at a function, man, and I get up to go to the bathroom, right? We're drinking Coke, right? We all got these glasses that look alike. I come back, you know, the table's eight, eight people at the table, so it's pretty close by. And I'm like, I don't know which one of these drinks is mine, right? Because they drink alcohol, right? And I don't know what they put in their Coke, but... I'm like, hey, which one of them is mine, right? And nobody had drank out any of them, right? And she said, oh, just get one. It doesn't matter, right? I said, I said no, it matters. She said, why? I said, one of them might be alcohol. She said, well, if you taste it, you'll, you'll know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, just yeah. don't drink. I said, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. Right. She said, why not? She said, what's going to happen? I said, well, first of all, um." When you call me and you need some money, I'm not gonna have it. <laughs> She's, oh, she started pulling the colors. <laughs> colors at, oh, all right, never mind. Get him a fresh one. Right. <laughs> then I say, then and I say, somewhere down the road, I'm gonna sell my car for some dope, yeah. and I'm gonna sell my jewelry for some dope. Yeah. And they just looking at me like, no, nah, don't you don't drink none. Right. You know, right. if all that's gonna happen, I say that's what's gonna happen. I'm convinced of that. See, that, I think that's a specific part of your story that you're explaining is like you are convinced of that. It's this idea that sometimes people will listen to this, right? And they'll be like, well, hold on. Like, 
I think that I am going to be different. And so then I think the three of us here sitting at this table are are convinced that if we take another drink, all that stuff's going to happen. All, all that's going to be gone. All that's going to happen. So then it's our own belief system that believes, like, I remember being asked, like, so you got to go to those meetings or, like, forever? Like, you sure you're not going to be able to drink again, right, like, eventually, right. like, after a few years? And I was like, well, today I know that if I did that, I'm going to lose it all. So I'm going to stay sober today. Right. And so then it's this understanding that we understand it. And so then if... There, there are these people out there that want to go do some more research and figure it out and try to see, well, I'll be different. And it's not up to our, it's not our story to tell like them what to do. It's just this idea that I'm convinced that if I drink or drug, I, I, it's a wrap. And right. as long as I know that in my inner soul, that like that, I'm okay with that. Now, what everybody else does, like I want to help other people, right? But but I can't keep them sober, right? But but it all comes back to. People, places, and things, right? Mm-hmm. You change your people, places, and things, and you stay changed, right? Because only reason I know two plus two is four, because I went to school, and I went every day, and the teacher told me the same thing all the time. Never, not once, she told me two plus two was five, not one time. But if I would have went to her one day, and then went to another teacher that was telling me two plus two is five, I might think she's wrong, right? But if I know if I stay in this program and close to it, I'm going to hear people every day tell me the same thing. Same thing every day. And I do it for a year. I went to school 12 years. They told me the math was the same every year. It never changed. And when after my 12th year, I, be, I believed that. I believed it all the way through school, that 2 plus 2 was 4. And I went to the fifth grade. They still told me the same. Six, seven, eight. they still told me the same. So you keep going. Mm. You stay around the right people, places, and things. And they eventually you're going to see it and you're going to know it. That's how I know. I go to the A hall almost every day. Mm. It might not be in a meeting. I might be in a meeting 20 minutes. It might be the 30 minutes. I might stay the whole meeting. But I'm hearing these people say the same thing every day, even the ones who are just coming back from a relapse telling me, it's the same out there. The dope's the same. The addiction's the same. Or it's worse. Never no one coming back telling me it's better. You know? <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah, I, I mean, woo. So now, um, if you had some advice or some suggestions for some people out there still struggling, what, what would you give them? My advice is, you know, just... Just stop, man. I know it's, it's some some people it's hard, man. You you have to try something you never tried. You know, you can't keep doing the same thing. You may even say, I'm going to quit. I'm going to let mama hold my money or I'm not going to do this. If you really want something different, you got to take a leap of faith and say, I'm going to go to this program. That's what my brother told me, man, when I was going through all this. My oldest brother used to always... Tell me, man. He's like, you're sick. You're sick. He said, you know when you're sick, you just can't say you're going to get better on your own. He told me, you need to go see a doctor. You need to go see a doctor. You need some real help. You're sick, right? So if you're struggling, we're, we're sick. You know, they keep doing this over and over and over. I'm not going to do it no more. I'm going to steal my mama's mom money. 
I'm going to steal from my dad. I'm going to go rob this. We're sick. And in reality, we are, you know, because I, I drive the bus, right? I drive the metro bus, the county bus, right? And I, I, I listen to drivers, right? They be talking on the side to other drivers like, yeah, I left this guy today. I left him there. I didn't pick him up, right? Because I know he was about to get high. I could see he had his, his drug preference, looming forward and stuff in his hand. So I didn't let him get on my bus. He chose to be like that, right? Mm. And I'm like saying to myself, no, he doesn't. You know, he chose to try a drug that got him addicted. Now his body chooses for him because he's sick. He's literally sick. We're sick when we're addicted. So you got you got to go get some real help. You know, it's not this 10-day program. It's not, I'm just going to stop. Detox. It's not detox. Right, right. No. Right. You got to get some real help. You got to be able to separate yourself, man. Like my friends who were in the Navy with me for all those years we drank, they lived in Federal Way, and they still live in Federal Way, Washington, here. We was like brothers, right? And. I had to leave all them guys, man. You know, they were my friends, man, my my family, right? And after about, you know, some time, they even came to see me in rehab, right? They came to visit me in rehab. And when I got out, you know, I stayed away from them a while because I wasn't ready to go hang out with them no, no more. You know, it, it took me some years to yeah. get comfortable right. around them. But right. now with my family, well, it was different. You know, my family drank, but them, I said, no, I'm not ready. And I used to tell them, I used to feel bad because I used to think they said, oh, he think he's better. He don't come around no more, right? So I used to call them. It was like, no, man, you cool, man. Just whatever you're doing, just keep doing it, man. We always going to be here for you, right? Just keep, whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep doing that, you know? Finally, when I got better, man, started back hanging out with him, man. I'm good now. I don't, I'm not addicted no more than nothing. My body has recovered from it. So yeah. we can hang out. You can drink all you want. All you want. All you want. I don't all drink. Uh, yeah, I just don't drink. I don't drink. Right, right. You know? Mm. And I always used to think, now this is another thing we think. When we stop drinking, the fun day's over. Oh, oh man. That's what I used to think all the oh, time. Because I thought everybody drinked. Right. I did. I mean, how do you have fun? How I do mean, you have fun if you don't drink? Got, well, yeah, what, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought everybody drink, man. But then yeah. I figured out, no, I just didn't hang around nobody who didn't drink. <laughs> you know, everybody don't drink. Right. You can have fun without drinking. Yeah. Man, I ain't never had so much fun, man. It's amazing. I can be around all my brothers and stuff drink. My sister, they drink. Right. We have so much fun. Yeah. I'm getting ready to go home now on vacation. We're all gonna be there. We're all coming to my mom's house. And I'm having more, I think I'm having more fun than them. Yeah. And they drinking. Because I can hear everything. I, I, I can hear everything it, clearly. I'm sober. It's, it's an amazing experience to be around other drunk people that are drinking and <laughs> you're the sober one. But you're like looking around, you're like, wow, I'm hearing that right. one. You see that one? Oh, man. Oh, boy. I can't. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a special, like, it's a superpower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. Life, life is good, man. Yeah. And it, but 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 we think that that ke that keeps us out there a little bit longer, man. Just keep it ain't gonna be no more fun, right? And that's a lie. Yeah, I mean that was one of my program uh uh like things I need. I came into uh, rehab thinking there's no way I'm gonna go back out here after 30 days in the 28 days in this 
rehab joint. I'm gonna go out here and have some fun. You got <laughs> and I remember the counselor wrote that down. And he was like, "All right, Pete, we're gonna," and we worked on that. And but it was this whole thing of separation, of you can't, you can't. Eventually, you might be able to go back and hang out with these guys, but first we gotta get that that it removed, right. that obsession of yeah. removed from you. And the first step was to get that physical craving because I'm addicted. Like, even, I'm, you know, I'm so addicted to it. Like, even in my mind, I'm saying, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. But my body, I'm driving yeah. there. I'm like, I'm there. And I'm here. But don't do it. Don't. And then I'm just, and it's not, it's not like I didn't think, like, dude, I don't, I, I shouldn't do this. Right. Like, it's, I'm thinking that all day. But for some yeah. reason, here I am. And so, man, I used to pray, man. I had my yeah. crack pipe in my hand. Yes. I would be lighting my pipe. Yes. Praying to God. Because I, I couldn't stop. Right. But I know this is not what I want to do. I would be praying, God, please stop me. Please stop me. You know? Yeah. And he did in his time. He didn't stop me that night, but in his time. Mm. You know, in God's time. You know? I, st- I used to pray all the time. God, help me stop. You know? And I got my friends, those friends, my Navy friends, man. Some of them tell me now, man. And other friends, man, I wish I could stop drinking like Ooh, you. Ooh, come on, I'm telling man. you. They drink. Come it's, on. Yeah, they, and they look at you. They and look like, at me, I man. Wish, now I wish I could stop. Mm. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, people are watching you. I mean, like, and people are watching you. And people are watching me. You know, the main thing, too, is, like, you mentioned you go to the recovery hall, like, every day almost, you know, and, and for me to see when I joined that recovery hall, 2030 Cherry Fellowship Hall, I went there and there's there's meetings, but then there's also like downtime where people are just hanging out. Yeah. You know, and like there's people playing dominoes, dominoes. listening to music. Um, there's a TV where yeah. people are watching NBA playoffs. Yeah. Whatever. There's like a back studio, like a back bar looking thing. Like, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a, what do they call the commons or the the, the half measures. The room. half measures. Room. Yeah, they right. sell food yeah, there. Right, they cook. Right. We talk, right, man. Right. I was there today, man, yeah. playing a game of dominoes, man. Yeah. And 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 how I've been playing dominoes there for fifteen years, right? And I seen this group of people, right, back there playing dominoes, right? And they always older. Like I said, I always got with the older group. So these guys, they were always older. And I would go back there, man, and play dominoes. And and I was like, man, y'all play dominoes every day. He said, yeah, man, we haven't lost one yet. And I didn't know what they meant. I said, what do you mean? If you play dominoes with us, you don't go back out. Mm-hmm. Said, we haven't lost one yet. That's some power. Yeah, see, that's interesting. Because like, when I relapsed, when I had 21 months, huh. and I relapsed on July 4th, I went right. I knew I had a place to go the next day. And I went right back to 23rd and Cherry Fellowship Hall. And there was people playing dominoes. And I was hungover as shit. I had the worst hangover of my life. But I knew I wanted to be around somewhere safe. And around some people that are about recovery, and I remember people were playing dominoes, and I just pulled up a chair. I didn't play dominoes, but I just sat there with them while yeah. they were playing. I don't even remember who was there, if I knew any of them, but they didn't even blink an eye that I would just pull up a chair and sit. They were like, "You must be one of us, because you're you're coming here. You need a safe place to be." Right. And it's just a miracle that there's there's places like that, and I never I never knew there was those places existed. Yes. Until right. I met you. Yeah. Honestly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And 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 that's. Another thing I want to say, you know, they're, you know, the dominoes and the good times hanging out, just fellowshipping at the hall, 23rd Cherry. Um, people are still in recovery, right? And sometimes their recovery is uh, 
you know, people still go through stuff when they're going through recovery, you know. They might be still angry at somebody else about something, you know. So people have to remember, man, when other people are recovering around you and you're recovering, there's sometimes there's friction, you know. So you can't let someone who's going through whatever they might be going through run you out of the room, you know. You can't always just want to battle, you know, because that person, whatever he's going, he may be offending you this day, but you're not the reason that he's picking on you. He's going through something because when you when you're going through when you're in recovery, man, stuff on the outside bothers, especially if you're new, you know, stuff stuff bothers you. People get into it at the hall. I see some people. I know a girl who was up there. Um, I was looking for this lady who was up there. She was. It's cleaning up or something. She had been there about four days or something. I didn't see her. I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks. And I asked the guy the other day. I was like, where's the lady that was cleaning up up here? You know? They said, oh, she said some people was bothering her. Right? And and the guy said, well, I just I just hope she's okay. You know, well, some people let them run them out of the room. Other people run them out of, the, out of their sobriety spot, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, so you just got to. You just got to hang in there, you know, and just, they say, because you're there for you, you know, mm. you're there, you're there for you. Yeah, it's just like any other community, like me and Pete were just talking about that earlier, about like surviving the fellowship, and and I heard somebody say <coughs> that too, like, they were like, it doesn't matter if you slept with five people in this room, or you don't like this person, or that person doesn't like you, or you're not liking yourself right now, just keep coming back, you know, and because... There's been some situations where I could have said, man, I'm not going back there anymore. But mm. it's like a home. It's a home for yeah, me. And like just, a home. And like a family, like a dysfunctional family. It's going yeah. to be infighting and all that kind of stuff. So, But me and people were just talking about surviving the fellowship and, and being there for, for my recovery. Right. Yeah, it's not it's not all unicorns and rainbows around here, right? So right. like we 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 do do not want to portray that like once you get sober and you get into some twelve step stuff, everything's just peaches and cream. Right. And so that that's just not the reality. And but to keep coming back is the key. Right. It's like like you kind of reference like school. Like you keep hearing the same message same over message and over, over and over and over. over. Eventually you're gonna be like, Man, this is uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds yeah. good. Two plus two is yeah, four. Yeah, it is. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to say another thing, man. Like, I was out there, man. Like, like I say, I had no family out here, man. I'm three thousand miles away from home, man. You know, and and I'm 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 either in a studio or I'm homeless, one of the two. Or call my mom, right? You know, tell my mom I'm hungry. You send me forty dollars, right? All the time, the dope man sitting right there. You know, my mom don't know that, or mom do know that, but mom don't care. She know her son ain't doing good. She all, she know that. She sends the money, right? I mean, she does that all the time. Mom, mom, can you wire me $20? She wired it to me. Mom, can you wire me $40? She wired it to me, you know? And and my mom tell me, she said, yeah, I knew. I knew. See, I always know what your kids are doing, you know? So mm. I just feel it. So I always can feel it. I know when you're in jail. <laughs> She's like, I know when you're in jail, and I be like, thank God, you know, he's safe now, you know? She even wired, she 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 bailed me out of jail one time, man, with two thousand dollars cash money. She sent the two thousand dollars, man. I got out of jail. I was supposed to send the money right back when I finished court. Finished Took court. That $2, oh man, I smoked right. it all up, man. Yeah. Smoked the whole two grand. Right. Man. Smoked the whole two grand, man. Until 
I'm just saying this, man. We got to always remember what we putting our family through when right. we when we doing all this stuff, man. Right. My mom said I just took every penny she had. I just almost just broke her, you know. Just she was sending me money, send this, send that, you know, and until she just didn't have it no more. She's like, I just got to turn it over to God. Just got to turn it over God to God, you know. I, I I'm not gonna keep doing that, right? I I can't, you know, and. She, and she said once she turned it over to God, she said she was at peace, right? And around that time, right, it seemed like when I, God God did his work, right? Mm-hmm. You know, around that time, man. And But today, you better believe my mom don't want for nothing, Ooh. right? You know, if I got it, she got it. Mm. Man, my mom, she never, ever, never turned her back on me, not one time, mm. you know, so... Even when my dad said, you got to go. You can't live here no more. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I do know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Because we're here, right here in Pioneer Square, too, and that was like part of your story. Oh, yeah. Based right here in Pioneer Square. Right here, how, man. how does it feel to be here right yeah, now? Yeah. Man, this, like crazy. I say, man, just yeah. just being here. Man, you know, I work right here. I'm, in, I'm doing assignment in this building right down the street here. I take my break. I walk over to the Union of Gospel Mission. I walk right, right there just the other day. Yeah. Most of my, all my breaks, I walk to the mission, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to those guys outside, man. And, I, and first, I was driving the bus, right? I would pull up and I take my breaks by the mission, right? And them guys be out there smoking. I can tell they're in the program. They got their badges on. I, I go talk to them, you know, and I'm like, I say, yeah, man. I said, so you guys in the program? He said, yeah. I asked how long they've been in. They tell me. And I said, I say, it works, man. Just just keep it, man. They say it does. Like, yeah, I said I was there. I was there 365 right. days. Ooh. And they look at me with my my metro uniform on. Right. You know, and I start telling, I said, Yeah, man, I smoke crack too, man. Yeah, we 25 do. years, man. We, we do recover. We do recover, right, man. Right, I said, right. I got eight DUIs, man. Yeah. You know, and it was like, and it's like, God, God's funny, man. It's like, oh, you get get back to like, yes, yeah, just being downtown, man. Right where it used to happen in Pioneer Square. Even driving the bus that I used to sleep on, that I used to, I got locked in the yard on Metro bus one night because they didn't wake me up. Took me back to the base, left me there all night. You know, and I wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning, I don't know how to get off the bus. Something banging. Hoping it's something, because all I can see is I'm in the middle of hundreds and hundreds of buses, right? right? So I don't know how to get off. So somebody has to hear me in this big lot. To come, let me off the bus, right? And now you work there. Now I work there. Yeah. And you and know it, how to, you know how to get off the bus. I know how to get yeah. off. But it's funny, man. It's like I had this part time job, right? I was working at the Pacific Northwest Ballet, man, in this office, man. I was working almost ten years, right? And part time, you know, man. And people always used to tell me, man, like, man, why don't you apply for Metro, right? You know, because I was getting this little disability check. Working part time, it was like I'm like this is cool, you know. Get a little check here, and I can work a little bit. Just don't make too much money, so don't stop my check, right? <laughs> right. You know. So this is cool. It's like man, I want you to apply for a job. Said for what? This is this works for me, you know. I ain't going to take no job for twenty dollars an hour, and they they stop my check, and I'm still badly getting the same money that I was getting between part time and. The check, I said, that don't make no sense. I ain't, I don't do no, I ain't got to work for four or five hours a day, and I'm getting same money if I was working for $20, 20 this was 
this was five years ago, I say, yeah, so I might as well just keep doing this. And I'm like, I was just thinking to myself, right? I said, if I ever came up, I start researching Metro, right? And I figure out, see how much money they make, right? I said, now, Metro, that might make sense, right? That might make, and I know a few guys that, that's in the program that work for Metro, and I talk to them, and mm. I know how much money they make, and they tell me all the overtime they can get, and, and how they get raises, and what's the max they max out at. And I said, now that would be worth quitting. Right. And, you know, giving up the little check for a part-time job, right? So I applied for the job, right? Remember, now I got eight DUIs now. Eight, and I'm, I'm applying to drive a county bus, right? Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're, so, not, you're not the highest priority. Right, now. right. <laughs> I'll put you at the top of the list. <laughs> so I applied for this job, man. I think the first time I got turned down or something. Second time. They accepted me for training, right? Training, right? And I said, cool, man, I'm about to get a job at Metro, right? You know, you know, but you got to pass the test, get your CDL, all this stuff, man. And I said, cool. I go through the training, right? You know, it's a 33-day training, man. But on that um, 16th day, right, you take the CDL test, right? And, man, I take the test, man. No, 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 I'm wrong. Let me back up. Let me back that up. I, they told me I got the job, right? And they told me my start date for training, right? So I know my start date for training. And the day, it was about a three or four week out before the training starts. So I'm getting ready. I'm happy. The day before I was supposed to start training, right? I get a phone call from the lady who supposed to hire me, right? And she said, she told me that they're not going to be able to give me the job, right? And I'm like, huh? Why? And she said, well, you lied on your application. I said, what do you mean I lied on my application? She said, yeah, we actually had you committed a felony in the last 10 years, right? And I said, yeah, I put nine years and nine months. That's how long it's been. She said, yeah, but the question was 10 years. So you put no. No, you put no down there that you had. And I said, well, it's been nine years, nine months. Not quite 10 yet. Close. <laughs> Close. Yeah, yeah. We're almost there. By yeah. the time I get to train. Yeah, yeah. By the time I get to train, it'll, yeah. be, it'll be 10. Yeah, it'll be 10, right? Right. right. I figured no big deal. She said, no, you lied on the application. We're gonna, we can't give you the job. I'm like, man, I'm crying. I'm so hurt, man. You know, and I said, so if I would have said, yeah, would you guys have hired me? She said, probably would have, but now we won't know. Right? So she said, just try again in six months. You know, try apply again in six months, right? So, man, I mean, I'm really hurt, man. My wife was telling me, oh, I'm crying. She's like, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay, you know. And so about two weeks later, right, because my wife had, my wife owned this cleaning business. She's, my wife, she's clean houses, right? But she would, she was getting tired a lot, right? And she was having these pains, and she never knew why she was hurting. And she's just getting tired quicker than she asked me. So she said, can you start helping me? Because I was working in the evening time. She was cleaning houses in the daytime. So I would go help her clean houses, right, in the daytime, right? And 
she would stop, take breaks, take rest. And I'm like, you never been this tired. What's wrong, right? I don't know. Then it got to the point where she was just hurting all the time. She was like hurting and hurting. I, I used to just tell her, just go to the doctor, right? Why don't you just go to the doctor and see what's wrong, right? She said, oh, they're just going to tell me it's my lungs. I know because 10 years previous, she had both lungs. She had a bilateral lung transplant. She had both lungs replaced, right? Because she was almost dead then 10 years before, right? She had like two weeks to live before. And I didn't even know her then. I met her nine months after transplant, the lungs transplant. So she got two new lungs, right? So she was thinking that they're just going to tell me it's my lungs. and nothing they're going to be able to do for me, blah, blah, blah. So one night I came home, man, and, and she was like in pain. It's like it's late. I was like, man, I have to get up in the morning, and, you, and you're up. You, won't, you can't lay down. And she, at this particular time, and she said, well, I think I'm ready to go to the doctor. You want to go with me? I said, yeah, come on. Let's go to the doctor, right? And go to the doctor. You do medicine. And check her and stuff. And they come back in the room, and they said, dude had his head down. He said, well, you're going to have to stay. And she said, why? She said, they say, you have cancer, right? You have lymphoma, stage four lymphoma. Spread it all over your body. You know, it's in your back, chest, spleen, everything, right? So I had to quit my job, right? The part-time job, because I hadn't quit yet. So if I would have started the Metro job, I wouldn't have been able to work it. So God said, okay, we're not going to give it to him right now, because he knows that this is going to happen, right? So I had to quit my part-time job. My wife would go through chemo for 10 months, right? Mm. She had to do six rounds of chemo, you know, and she didn't make it, right? You know, they got most of the cancer after four rounds, and then it started to come back, right? So and she passed away from that. But and I, I applied again, like the lady said, right? Turned me down, said they had more applicants than me. I applied again in six months. I didn't never stop, right? And then I got, they said, okay, you got a job. I make sure this time, I, said, I even called them, they told me, I said, so y'all, you got sure this time? You know, is everything good on my paperwork and all this stuff? Yep, you're good, you start training. I said, okay, you know, so I made it through, man. And, and I say all that to say, man, that that God knows what, what situations we be in. He knows what's happening, you know. So um, you just got to trust God, do stuff, man. And if I would have just said, we can't let our past always dictate things we want to do in life. You know, even though I got eight DUIs, like the guy asked me, I, I told my story in a meeting one day, right, about this. And after the meeting, he said, man, I'm, I'm not going to even, I'm not going to, he said, I'm not going to ask you how you got the job driving the bus with eight DUIs. He said, I'm going to ask you, what made you apply? Mm. You know, I said, God. You know, God in this program said we can recover. And God said this stuff is his. You know, everything belongs to him. And if we ask, you know, we will receive. If I would have just said back, I've been a drug addict all my life. I got eight DUIs. Boo-hoo. Boo-boo-hoo. Boo me. I'm not going to get nothing. Wait for somebody to give me something. No. You know. So I I trusted that. I trusted that I I cleaned my life up. 
I'm helping people. I'll help others that, you know, something good can happen to me too. God put us in these positions for reasons. Uh, I was driving my bus one day down 3rd Avenue and this guy gets on, right? And hadn't seen him in a long time, man. He gets on. He says, Doc. He used to call me Doc on the street. He said, Doc. I said, yeah, what's up, man? He said, damn. Doc, you drive the bus? <laughs> he said, and I'm thinking, he, I think he just got out of prison again because he was like, he was going on, he had to be back at this house, like it was a halfway house or something at a certain time, right? He said, damn, man, I have hope now. That's what he told me. Because mm. he know where I used to be. Right. He said, man, I have hope now. Yeah. yeah. So people, people have hope when they see you recovered, man. You know, so we just got to always be willing to help somebody and, you know, and just stay, stay in recovery. Yeah. And you never yeah. know who you're going to affect. Like just no. having a small conversation with somebody, whether it's somebody at the bank or just somebody that you see is struggling. Right. It's, it's yeah. amazing how everything can just change in somebody's life just from one conversation. Right. With somebody. And I, I'm a test to that. Yeah. Well, well Stefan, we. We want to say thank you so much for coming on this podcast, and man, it's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, this is by far one of the most uh, uh, relaxed conversations we've had here, and and we just we appreciate you coming in and sharing your story today, and uh, just just again, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, we appreciate you, Stevon, and hopefully we'll have you back. Oh yeah, yeah. Come on. Come absolutely, on, man. man. You know, I'm just yeah. I'm always willing to help, man. You know, yeah. help somebody, man. Anybody something or want to find out how to contact me man just you know i'm always at 23rd and cherry fellowship man right you got that more one is cherry through. yeah yep. you come well mondo man we want to say thank yeah. you to color studios mm -hmm. today man for having this beautiful episode and uh man it's, it's been a it's been a hit man so thanks man. a lot that was incredible guys yeah